Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Well, we can discuss that later. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Coming to you direct from our super secret studio. Hello, everyone. This is Washington for Beautiful People on Deep State Radio. I'm your host, Emily Brandwin, at CIA Spy Girl on Twitter. And we're broadcasting from the very, 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 very chilly East Coast from Yale. And I'm joined by two of the most lovely, wonderful people on the planet. That's a lot. I'm just saying, like, that's a lot. Two of the most lovely, wonderful people on the planet, Asha Rangappa and Sam Vinograd. We're all here in New Haven speaking at the Women in National Security Summit, or panel, rather. <laughs> summit. It sounds so official. It's a summit if we're it's all there. It's a summit. We're it's all... a summit. And thank you. At the uh, So before I dive in, I know you all know who Sam and Asha are, but I'm going to give them each – a few seconds just to, you know, give like the professional introduction. And I just did air quotes when I said that. <laughs> I wish you all could have seen that. That was awesome. Yeah. I do air quotes all the time when it's not appropriate. I'll be like, Me oh, too. I get in trouble for that. Let's go drink water. <laughs> and I'll put air quotes like, is it not water? I'm like, no, it's just, it's water. But I'm just going to use air quotes. Okay. My one sentence bio. Yes. CNN National Security Analyst, Senior Advisor of the Biden Institute. In a previous life, I worked at the White House for four years uh, for the National Security Advisor and before that, U.S. Treasury Department running around the Middle East and Washington, D.C. And what's your favorite show on Netflix? I'm just curious. Like what's your favorite show that you would binge right now? Russian Doll. I did it last night. Oh, it's so good. Obviously. I mean so good. I'm clearly obsessed with Russia. Clearly. If you go on my Twitter feed, I'm obsessed with Natasha Leone. She's – Amazing. Amazing. And who doesn't watch six straight episodes all in one sitting? Everyone. Right. I could right. watch Don't Natasha. Watch Do you, have you seen it yet? No, not <gasps> Russian Dolls. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> okay, we're done here. This show is going to be over so we can go watch Russian Dolls. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Asha, tell us about yourself. Okay. I am Asha Ringappa. I am a senior lecturer at Yale's Jackson Institute for Global Affairs. Prior to coming to Jackson, I was an associate dean at Yale Law School, and I am a former FBI special agent in the counterintelligence division of the New York division of the FBI. And what's your favorite musical, Asha? Oh. it's a good mm. one. I'm going to judge you by your answer. So I tell everybody yeah. that. I say – I'm I, super judgy on this. Yeah. Because I have a lowbrow answer. No, I want the truth. And do then, you want the truth? You can do top five. Well, no if you're lying, obviously. Yeah. Seriously. What's your – okay, okay, top I, You can do top five. Okay, I I really love Rock of Ages. Okay, I'm going to judge you a little bit. I really like it because the soundtrack. I eh. I like the soundtrack. I also so I'm partial to a chorus line because oh. I told you that yes. I was in a chorus line. Um, I like Book of Mormon. Love Book of Mormon, guys. No. What? No. Can we just go old school here for one second? If you say Fiddler, we're done. I no, love Fiddler. I, I'm not. I love Fiddler. Fiddler's oh, great, but no. I mean. Who has not seen and who does not love Oklahoma? I hate it. I love it. Oh I've my never God. seen it. Bye will... Bye Birdie. Okay. Can we go back to Oklahoma? I have a theory that any musical that has a horse in it is bad. 
Shenandoah, Carousel, Oklahoma, even Fiddler, they had horses. No, the horses are character. Love Oklahoma. Oh. Love Bye Bye Birdie. I mean, I'm half French, which okay. caused problems back in the day for security clearances. Okay. We worked through it. Les Mis, I grew up on. Great musical, Great no musical. horse. Great musical, no horse. No Actually, horse. I think there was a horse in it. No, that was in the movie, not in the re- oh. not in the stage show. There's no horses. Oh. Oh. Well, yeah. Okay. And, you know, I feel like there was – so a musical about my people. Yes. Which one? Which? Bombay Dreams, which Good. was only on Broadway for like – it didn't do that. It right. didn't do that well, <laughs> no. and I really wanted my people to succeed. Like I felt it's, like it was. I really you guys felt, do. You have Bollywood though, so that's do. good. I know. I don't know. I just felt like every judge and fa- like we no. failed. Everything gets revived. It will revive again. Every show gets revived. Even shows that shouldn't like Oklahoma. It's coming out. They have a new revival coming out oh, in March. I know. Oh, I know. Excuse me. I know. (laughs) Well, now that we've done that, I have a question for you both. How did Wine and Fries get started? Oh, super simple answer. So Asha and I met in the green room at CNN super early one morning and kind of connected. And randomly, and I give you kudos for this, you reached out after and were like, hey, I'm coming into New York. Do you want to like get together? Maybe could we stay together? Right? Right. We quickly realized. By the way, I have been envisioning Greece this long when they it was basically this, that the slumber party and somebody singing "Look at Me" on that. TV. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was, we, we do that. We just every took time a chance on each other oh. and quickly discovered that we each have a vice. Of course, we each just have one vice. Just one. Mine happens to be French fries. Oh, it's a good vice. I don't drink. Asha's happens to be wine. I don't eat. Do you eat French fries? Yeah, they're there, but I'm not, you know, I I crave the wine more than Right, so we just balance each other out well. And so we started having these conversations and dinners where we kind of pivot between like real national security issues, boys, and God knows what else. But it's really like quite substantive and quite superficial and the wine and fries balance Yeah, and then one night – this was in D.C. I don't know why we were there together, but we came home. Um, <laughs> late. We were staying in a hotel together and we got ba- – I don't remember why we were there. But anyway, we got back. We were dr- – oh, this was the the fancy – I think I was your date for something. Um, but uh, we came back to the hotel and we're all dressed up um, and Sam was craving fries and I was yeah. craving wine and we were like, you know, we should have our own show and it would be at like seven in the morning and we're still like wearing our it's evening like, wear from it's the like night. The walk of shame a yeah. little bit. So it's like we're still wearing the evening wear from the night yeah. before with like, you know, the serious the, the, smoky eye. The serious smoky eye. eye. And that's so sexy though. And like, you know. Especially at 7 a.m. 7 a.m. on Saturday yeah. we're, and, and it would be wine and fries and like I'm drinking wine, she's eating fries and we talk. We no, thought it could be a hit. And I so think it we, is. So we tweeted this because we thought it was really brilliant. It was like 2 in the morning. I was going to say you Fair. probably tweeted at 7 in the morning. Yeah. And we just – people were really, you know, were the really into spoken. it. Because some people really like French fries. Some people really like white. It's kind of like – And some people fr- just wanted to see us in uh, Next Day Smoky Eye. Doing the Walk of Shame together basically. Yeah. The, have Fair. you guys ever done the Walk of Shame in college? Can I plead the fifth on that? Yeah. I, My mom I feel like I, I oh, I'm just am curious. too old to answer It doesn't to mean walk of shame. Question. I don't mean like, you Can have I? to have done that. I was just curious yes. like, if you ever had something similar. Yes. Although now when you do early morning TV, like when I get back to my building <laughs> – yeah. My doorman <laughs> thinks that I'm doing the walk of shame because I'll get back at you know seven a.m. or six forty-five a.m. and he's like, yeah. and he's like, okay. I'm like, no, dude. I was actually working. 
It, there's a lot of judging did going they, on. And he's like, like air quotes when you said working. Yeah. Okay. Oh, working. Ooh, wrong. Wrong oh, word choice. Wrong word choice. And he's choice. like, sure, Jan. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure, Jan. So my, I have a question because the world is kind of nasty. I don't know if you guys have noticed on social media. I want to challenge you both to say something nice about Ivanka, Jared, and Don Jr. And you can throw anything you want at me. I feel like I've, I feel like you both hate me. We have me. to say something nice. Something about- nice. I can start. I think Ivanka has good hair on occasion. On occasion, I get jealous because I have curly hair, and I think she's got nice blowouts. Uh, to be totally candid, you stole mine. So I'm going to pivot to Asha for a second. I do think that she has nice hair. She does. She's got lovely hair. And whoever does her color does a great job. I, I On a serious note, yes. I do think that she tries to position herself as a role model for women. I do think so, On too. multiple occasions. We, we can talk about what that means and if I would want her to be a role model for my children, unborn children, but uh, hypothetical children. <laughs> but I, I think that she has tried to position herself that way. But, okay, that isn't a compliment. You see through me. I do. I see you. <laughs> you I took know. my compliment, though, with the hair. I, I, just because she's trying doesn't mean, okay, pick somebody else. You can pick Jared or you could pick Don Jr., I know it's hard, but I think we can do it. I think we're Okay, I've got one for Ivanka. Okay. I think that Ivanka shows genuine affection for her children. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Sam. I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) I think Ivanka cares deeply for her father. Okay. You guys, we did it. There's some high fives going on right now. I won't be mean and make you now do Don Jr. or Jared because we could all like wuss out on the answer and say they're really great to their kids. Although I don't know if Don Jr. I came up with that one. That was pretty genius. It was pretty well done. And you know what? You know where I got that? Where? HRC. Remember the debate. (gasps) Yes. It's a callback as we like to say (laughs) in the comments. Like he was circling her like Jaws and then I think it was one of the moderators that was like, can you guys each say one nice – and she complimented him on his children. Who do you think is the next person from the White House who's going to be on Celebrity Big Brother? Now, can we just talk about that for a second? Yes, what? Scaramucci actually didn't stay on Big Brother I, that long. I know. Did he get voted off? No, I think he just left, right? He has, he has the rule. He only stays somewhere for like 15 seconds. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he stayed was longer. very on brand. He stayed longer at the White House than he did on Celebrity Big Brother. Now, I don't blame him. That was no. an intense, intense cast of characters. I mean, who's that guy that was married to Drew Barrymore for like a hot second that was there? Tom, whatever. Tom. You guys actually watched this? Briefly. I, Briefly. I watched the first episode because Anthony Scaramucci was on it. I was quite interested. You know. It's the Mooch. And the Mooch. Yeah, he was there for an episode, I think. Yeah. But who's going to be the next White Who House? do you think the next one is? Who do you think is – they're eyeing. I think it's very – Kellyanne could do it. Kellyanne wouldn't do it. Steve I, Miller. Steve Miller, I could see if they they brought out like just a cartload I of money. I think Steve Miller would kill everyone. I, I don't think Steve Miller would do it. and put Or put or lock them all in the basement. He does not – I mean how, Like something he, weirdly sociopathic would happen. How with a diverse group of people? And then Never. it would become a federal crime scene. I think he'd bring a magnifying glass and go outside and wait for the sun and like kill a bunch of ants. That's my theory. He is that kid. Of course. He does it all the time. Yes. 
I I just don't I have not seen him really engage with um a diverse set of characters. Correct. Um <laughs> to put it mildly. So I'm just like picturing him in Celebrity Big Brother where it's people of all different shapes, sizes, colors, backgrounds, preferences, etc. Like how would that quite like when you have to pick a team member, who's he gonna pick as his team member? I think, I think it would be more interesting to see Steve Miller on The Bachelor. Oh, he never get The Bachelor. No, but what if they did? Like, Can what you if imagine they imagine you signed up for The Bachelor as a female contestant and he was a bachelor? You get out of the limo, I'd be like, I'm out. Peace out, my brothers. I, I wouldn't I would get out of the but limo. But what if the prize be, was like a million dollars? Nope. Nope. Hard no. You'd see elbows and ass. That's all you'd see from behind <laughs> would just be my elbows and my ass going back and forth and back. They would start yelling at me. I would kick off my shoes. Now I'm going to tell you a true story. I, I was in a, I literally was in a special gym class for little girls who couldn't throw balls, and I threw up when they made me do the mile. I would kick this Right, things, but oh, you wouldn't see me. There'd be smoke coming out. There's Can no you way. Imagine though. But like, what Colton if it was Underwood. for like the benefit of national security? Like, what if if he just went on a date? I got just a date. National like, security. Girl, like, I moved to Canada. Like a woman talked to him normally. Ooh. Like maybe it could change him. Uh, there's nothing that can change him other than a lobotomy. Uh, true. How old is he? He's in his thirties. Do you, can you imagine all the like? Do you think he's on? He's not on J date. But he's got to be on one of the dating No, things. my dad told me to he's join not on J-Date a long time ago. Yeah. Oh, I did J-Date. I'm sure I he's never not did J-Date. J-Date. It was my dad actually, who I hope will listen to this podcast, sent hey, me like a picture hey, of like a J-Date poster a few years ago. I think it was a not so subtle. I know some success stories from J-Date. I know a lot Everyone of, says that to the yeah. single girl and it's like, thanks. <laughs> I dated half the Jewish population in Los Angeles when really? I moved when I moved to LA, but I also needed to eat and I was poor, so that's why. Well, that's I did the thing; it. it's really cost effective it to is. go on dates. Yeah, are you it, allowed to be on jaded if you're not Jewish? You are. Yeah, a lot yeah. of J- Jewish guys like dating non-Jewish girls. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, I think the Hindus and the Jews do well. Yeah, I would absolutely. It's like the Om Shalom. There you go. Connection. I, would you never do it? You've never before? heard that? No. no. Maybe. Yeah, because there's a lot. Like, I mean, Hindu Jewish weddings, Om Shalom. I've never heard that before. But I'll check out J Date and see if they have any like requirements for religion. I don't think they do. It's and a if whole you, new world for you. If you eat it well, you be. can call it the J Date meal plan. That's, That's what true. I called that it. is a great way of looking mm-hmm. at it. <laughs> <laughs> I was really poor when I moved to LA. When I did re- you move to LA? I moved in mid two thousands, and I just remember like I just. This theory that if it was like a really good date, I didn't want the guy to think I was cheap, so I wouldn't take home my leftovers because I was like, "Oh, it's okay. I don't need a doggy bag." But if I, I don't really need to eat those I don't later. Need those. And if I thought it was just, it was just like, "Am like I'll take home my leftovers." If it was really bad, I would take home his leftovers because it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Wait, uh, were you still working for the government? I wasn't. Were- like I moved out there, and then I would never tell people I worked for the CIA if it was a bad date because I was like, I didn't want to engage. So so they would say, what you mean? That, that is a conversation starter. Okay, what's your worst dating story? I have so many. Wait a minute, you start because I have to go through my Rolodex of bad dating stories. In the, How about bad in government stories? Like do you have any bad dating in the FBI stories? No, because I married the guy I was that I really oh. want to go with. Okay. I mean I'm not married anymore. Okay, but bad. But I'm bum. Wait. I think that there is kind of a general rule within the White House not to date your coworkers because – and I made this mistake. You spend a heck of a lot of time together. Yeah. And it's just like 
You do not need to be distracted when you're there. I know, but doesn't everybody do it? Everybody dates each other. It's like the Hunger Games for dating when you're working in the West Wing. You have no time to meet people. So those are the people that will be in your world because you're still going to want to go out. You Didn't people still like mess around that you worked with? Oh, I'm sure. Okay. Yes, but I'm saying that it's just like – you're so tired. You're working so much. It's not like you're like going out and meeting whole new groups of people. So I think people and people often date where they work yeah. because that's where you spend a lot of time. They know your world. They know your vocabulary. Right. Although now at this point, I would prefer to date someone who knows nothing about national security. I would say there are a fair number of agents who married each other. Hmm. Did people date at, in Quantico? During so the that's process? what you got teased. Like if you were a Quantico romance, were you guys? Oh, you know, what's that? Were you, you and Andy? Yeah. <gasps> Really? Yeah, because, you know, I went to Quantico after I was in a pretty serious car accident. And so I was struggling. And um, we were in the lunch line. I was also starving because there wasn't very much vegetarian food at Quantico at the time. Anyway, so Andy thought, you know, I was beautiful or something and noticed that I loved Rice Krispie treats. Sam. This is why we're friends. (laughs) Wait a minute. If I would have known, I make gourmet Rice Krispie treats. What? No, they're they people. So come, does Starbucks, which I'm oh, sure are not as good as yours. Those are but. trash compared to mine. <laughs> mine, I'll tweet you a picture. They're literally they call them crack Krispies. They're amazing. Continue. Oh yeah, so he brought me a Rice Krispie treat. You know, the first night because uh-huh. you know he saw that I was sad that I had failed my PT test, and then he started helping me with my push-ups. And that well, and I helped seriously? him with the legal stuff because we, you know, the academics was largely around hmm. uh, legal training. So I tutored him on that. He helped me with push-ups. We both passed. That's really sweet. Married. Oh, I love that. Then we got divorced. Well, <laughs> I mean, there was way like to bring seven. that one down. I was like, <laughs> that was almost a great story was, or a great movie, and right? Then minus the last part. No, but, but he's great. We get along. We got two yes. great kids. So yes. it, you know, it, that was a yes. But you do bring your like if you date someone that you work with, you are constantly talking about work. You just can't help it. Well, it's funny. At the agency, everybody dates one another. Legitimately. But that makes sense, though, because it's <laughs> not a security – like, you know you're not taking any security risks when no. you're dating. And, but, and they also love couples. Oh, they love – oh, at the agency? The agency loves oh, – right? Because then they love it. March you off to you, all kinds of places. And you go off and as, you do t- as a couple? As a couple. But you don't go if you're dating. So a lot of people would go through the farm and then get engaged really quick because they'd want to go overseas together. Because otherwise you get split up, you know, your oh, partner. Oh, they would, they would trust the engagement. They didn't make you actually get No, married. although what happened with me is I was dating someone very seriously and they put us <clears> – we were <throat> going to get stationed together and then I ended up leaving the agency and he ended up actually going somewhere else. But you, like, you know what's an interesting distinction? Because yes. if, if you become a CIA couple, then yes. presumably you are working sources and doing all that mm-hmm. stuff together. So in the bureau, basically like in the in the Americans, like in it's the Americans, totally, but the, it's totally but the like the American, American it's version, totally like the Americans, except we didn't like you know decapitate people and put them in suitcases, into, exactly that I can talk about. I know that that's <laughs> in the guidebook, but I mean <laughs> over wine and fries. <laughs> yes. But you know in the bureau, um, so if you're married to another agent, so one time I had to meet with a source. And um, I had to pay the source. And, you know, in the bureau, you have to have another agent there. There's all kinds of paperwork. You know, they sign. I don't know if you had to do this. We just signed a receipt. Oh, my God. Sign the receipt. And, like, the source is like, what? Okay, dumb question for someone who is never operational. 
what it, like what's the purpose to make sure that you're not stealing the money? Correct, no. and well, and that they received oh, it. Also, for us, it was to you're reinforcing that it's a business relationship, and so you always to make sure there's never that like crossover because in the agency, if you're especially if you're a woman and you're recruiting yep. somebody and you're meeting them maybe in a hotel, you just so kind always, of like you don't want to be Carrie from Homeland. It, no, you never want to be Carrie from Homeland. And yeah, when I tell people that – no, do you know how many people ask me like, are you just like Carrie from Homeland? I'm like, she tried to kill her baby in one episode. Remember? She <laughs> literally debated it. She put her baby in a bathtub. I'm, I kept thinking, why would you want anybody working in the government who might think about – Kill their baby. Infanticide is not Let's cool. Let's get to her in a second. But I, I, yes, so, you had to, you, so you had to sign Absolutely, it Absolutely. You have to have people sign. But we had to have you know another agent there. And Interesting. And you know, this one day my partner wasn't available or – for whatever reason, we can't – we couldn't – he wasn't there and um, I had to pay the source. And so, um, you know, I told my supervisor, I said, well, my husband can come with me because he's going to be on the way home and we'll stop and we'll do this with another agent. And a, it was against bureau rules for a married couple to meet with a source. Why? Um, Why? So, so I thought this was just like dumb rule yeah. or, you know, some some weird bureaucratic thing. It's because – of marital privilege, you cannot testify <gasps> against each That's other. So, so you, interesting. Yes, I figured this out. Like one day, I in the learned shower. that on Law and Order SVU. Yes. So dun, basically, dun. you could like what you know. The beer is always suspicious. Like they have every <laughs> gap covered that you could possibly do anything to cheat the government. So they are like, well, if one of you steals the money and the other person witnesses it, the whole point is lost because we can't force one to testify against the other. So basically, it's a rule based in distrust. Correct. Fantastic. So I'm trying to think if it's like better not to be single in any of these jobs. And this brings up a lot of other questions about being a woman in national security, which oh. we're going to, going to talk we're about going to later. Talk about tonight with some young some young ladies. Yeah, some youngs. Is, is it like actually all women coming tonight? Probably. Probably not. Oh, I think it's just always. I think you guys are going to have a, some groupies. Yes. Oh my god, I'm going to corrupt some young minds. Flattery <laughs> gets you everywhere with me. Everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. And for the president too, uh, that seems to work quite well, yes, doesn't yes. it? But uh, I'm actually like thinking. Is if it it's better be- to be single? Yeah. yeah. In these kind of jobs, what was it like like for you? Was it? I mean, I wasn't single. I when I first started, I this makes. I was just about to say I dated a lot, but that makes me sound horrible. I was also a virgin when I started at the CIA, so I'll preface that as well. I was a very <laughs> very sweet, like naive little flower, but I did date a lot, and all the guys I dated were in the agency. And then I had a very, very serious relationship. We're in the agency or yeah, we're, we're not? in the agency. Okay. Because I would try to date outside and people would say, you know, what do you do? I know. That's such a buzz. My cover job was so boring that when you're in D.C., I think there you want to be impressive. Like, Sam, when you dated, didn't you – it was nice to have some juice and say, hey, I work at the White House. I work around Obama. To be totally honest, But though, it's, it doesn't work for women. This is the yeah, thing, I right? So. I, I, I mean, definitely not FBI agent. I think it's cool. Uh, no, it did not get me street cred in D.C. Every well, well everyone in D.C. is trading in titles, right? Yeah. So like you were in a, you were in a different capacity because you were agency and, and I have no talk, title and couldn't talk about. Yeah, but like, how many times do you walk into a bar in D.C. and instead of someone asking you like where you're from, it's like, so where do you work? It's L.A. That doesn't really happen in New York. I don't no, get that as it much. But in D.C., that was quite usual. And I didn't date when I was at the White House. I had no time. You didn't date at all? I had a long-distance boyfriend who was okay. kind of terrible but uh, who lived in New York. So we'd see each other on the weekends like the one night that I was off uh, during the week. But we worked six days Was he week. impressed that you were about with your job? 
Did he think it was cool? At first, but then when he realized that it, it was all-consuming. I mean, the thing about the White House is, and this is actually quite interesting in light of what came out about the president's schedule, like, I don't know how it was at the agency or FBI, but, like, you never stop working. Like, everyone would get in at 6, because that's how we used to do the presidential daily briefing, and then... Everyone, you know, the rest of the government would go home or most of them around 7, 7.30 and that's when the real work starts. So when are you supposed to date? Well, it's funny. I told – when I left, someone asked, you know, why would you leave the CIA? And I said it's – I actually stole this from John Stewart because I think he's amazing. But Who doesn't? I mean, oh, my – he was he's, – he's on the list. Uh, Paul Pass? Oh, yeah. well, him and Mandy Patinkin and Patty Lapone. So I think my husband's pretty safe. Oh, yeah, I think they're good. He's yeah, good. I think he's pretty good. Who's your hall pass? Who's your hall pass? What's a hall pass? Oh, oh, come on. On your list. We'll watch the movie together. On your list. Uh, like, like like you're allowed? You're allowed. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I'm not even going to go on until I get an answer. <clears throat> Who's on your, Sam? We'll give Asha. It is a long list these days. Pick top five. Okay. If for some reason they ever got divorced, and I yes. hope that they – Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And he's lovely. He seems lovely. like such a kind person. Liev Schreiber. I mean, I, I watch a lot of uh, Ray Donovan. I'm really can bad we, at can sleeping. Can we pull these people up? I don't know. Who yeah, I'll show you. He's, he's pretty adorable. I'm really bad at sleeping. It's never been a strength of mine. That's why I watch so much Netflix. Like, it's not, I don't, I watch Netflix from like, I mean, who's awake at 2.30 on a Tuesday, right? No okay. one good. So I watch Netflix. Okay. So Leah, Leah, Chris Hemsworth. Hemsworth. Uh, those are the top two right okay. now. Okay. What about you? I'm, oh, sorry. Uh, Just sorry. Mark Ronson. Oh. Mark Ronson, if you're listening. We'll get on that too. Yeah, thanks. For yours. Do they have to be like Hollywood celebrities? No. I know. I picked Patty Lapone, for God's sakes. You're good. Justin Trudeau? Oh, he's a he's good one. He's in trouble, by the way. Have you seen this? His government, yeah. Does that matter for the hall pass? No, it totally doesn't matter. You're not going to talk about government. No, I mean Canadian government. Canadian. I also have like some that are, I think, old-fashioned. but like I who? Like like I've always had a crush on Ray Fiennes, but like oh, isn't he adorable. old now? I saw him at the now? gym once. Yeah, I mean, like he's, he's frozen old, old. in my mind. He's adorable. In, he's he's super cute, right? He's totally cute. He's still. Oh, you know what though? I'm thinking of him in Schindler's List, which is not good. Yeah, that's no. not the image that, that I'm going image. for. He's in Red Dragon. Red, Red Dragon. Dragon. Okay. Red Dragon. Thank you. Yeah, or you don't want to think of him as Voldemort because no, that was not that a good thing. thing. No. I know. Yeah, that. Um, I was actually across from him in a bar in London. One oh. night across a smoky bar. Mm. Did I you know. have a smoky eye? I wish. I don't know. It was a long time ago. But That's a good sighting. Yeah, it was a very good it's sighting. A very, I was there very with the sighting. actor from the Royal Shakespeare Company who was my mm. date. I love oh, that you just good. throw around that you're hanging out with the Royal Shakespeare Company. So I was on this date with this guy from the Royal Shakespeare Company. <laughs> who's really talented and awesome. And we're at this, um, this little bar that Ray Fiennes is at. So the other one, um, Henry Cavill. Oh, that's a good one too. I love him. He's kind of adorable. He's super adorbs. And because he plays Superman, I feel like that I love Superman. Okay. Those are those are all good. And I think we've demonstrated that we have a nice variety here. We went from Henry <laughs> one more. Ma- Mandy Patinkin, can you beat it? <laughs> Number one, and I'm just embarrassed. Idris Elba. Oh. He is He's right. Mm. He should be the next James Bond. Like Ooh, what him. the heck? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, right? But I feel like now there's been such a call for him to do it that it So just make happen. him James Bond. I don't know. I think they're going to maybe do a woman? Nah. Nah. Are we kidding? <laughs> no, we have we're getting our own stuff though. Yeah, like I know. like there's some Wait, what happened to what's his name? The broody dude. Daniel Craig? Yeah. 
I think he was like it was one. And he timed he was, out. He yeah. timed out. He was. He's like I'm going to do one more. Like and then they got. I'm, I mean, peace out. Sean Connery was out after a while. You can't be James Bond forever. Once you had ARP, they. Yeah, that's that's a cutoff. <laughs> Once you if get, you get a senior pass at the movies, if you qualify, you're booted. Or if you you know go to Costco, get really excited. I get excited. At I Costco. do get Costco. I, Costco is great. Is. They have giant boxes of Tootsie Roll pops. <laughs> Tootsie Roll Pops are disgusting. Love them. Great Tootsie Roll Pops. That's disgusting. If anybody would ever like to get on my good side, flatter me, buy me French fries, and buy me a (laughs) Costco-sized Tootsie Roll Pops. Give me only the grape ones. I take them out of my kids' Halloween candy and throw them away. That's cruel and unusual. I'll give them to you. Okay, thanks. I'll see. (laughs) What what doesn't cut it for your kids, send my way. Makes sense. I have a question. What is the biggest when you tell people on dates or et cetera that you worked at the White House or the FBI? What's the first question? I know I asked you this before, but I'm curious because I know we talked around a little bit. What's like what's the silliest question you get or the most common question you get that you have to say, hey, I'm about to ruin the FBI for you. I'm about to ruin the White House for you. This doesn't really happen. Yeah. So this goes back to what I was saying before. It's actually a total but like it. There's always like something dumb like, uh, but guys find you really intimidating. Well, that's a no, but that's a good question. I bet you get it all no, the time. No, but that, yeah, but that's not what you want to hear from your date. Like that's like actually your date saying, "I feel very intimidated," and then that's really like unattractive. I don't, you know what I'm saying? No, but that's a good. But that to me is, that's a common question. I get why that's a question you would get all the time because I would be intimidated. Would you? Oh, I get intimidated easily by like I was just saying John Cipher. Who was on Twitter? We were talking about him, and I used to work with him, and I found him so incredibly intimidating. Now I know him, and I'm not, but he's yeah, I get intimidated, and I just make a joke about it. I'm not funny, so I can't do that. What did people ask you? What was your what was the biggest misconception? I don't know that, that there's a misconception. People, the first question is, did you ever fly an Air Force One? Did you? Yes. Was it amazing? It was. Uh, well, well. The food was amazing. The The candy bowls were amazing. Did you steal anything? What kind of candy do they have? Yes. All just like bites, like the little-sized ones, like little-sized candy bars. Oh, like chocolates. Well, chocolates, Three Musketeers, Snickers, M&Ms. Twix? I don't remember any Twix, actually. No. Mm Mm-mm. So that part was amazing. Oh, my God. The non-amazing part was— Does uh, that depend on the president, though? I actually don't know the answer to that question because Obama didn't—I never saw him really eating candy. He liked to play cards on Air Force One. What did he play? Uh, sp- what's that game? Spit? Or no, sp- not Spit. You- <laughs> I love Spit. Me what? too. So do four-year-olds. It's <laughs> President Obama. <laughs> that hurts, Oh, Sam. Spades. Spades. That hurts. That bit. game. But, uh, I like that game too. But the non-awesome part of flying on Air Force One was that someone had to be up 24-7 to monitor income because you can get stuff on the plane. There was a computer. So yours truly – like I when, when you fly to Asia – you get like – or fly back from Asia, excuse me. You actually live an extra day because of the time difference. So we'd like get back from the East Asia Summit or something like that. So you get to do the day over? Yeah, That's which like means you're up double the amount of time. So that part was less than awesome. But overall, yeah, it was great. It's, it was a beautiful plane. It's been updated, I hear. Trump is, is trying to update it. Lots Ter- of gold, I'm sure. Yes, and uh, hamburgers and Chick-fil-A. No disrespect to Chick-fil-A. I just saw that he served that to some athletes uh, visiting the White House the other I, day. I still have challenges with Chick-fil-A. But continue. I mean, I prefer like Chipotle or something personally because I'm a vegetarian. But um, Me too. 
I know. We do have a hard time eating together, though. Why do we have such a hard time? I'm celiac. Eating? I know it's oh, you do. it's a pain in the butt. Yeah, but uh, no, that I normally get asked about Air Force One or like what Obama was like, and you know. And both of you, and because it's topical, had to go through the security clearance process. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Yes. You, both- Asha. How many times did it take you to correctly <laughs> fill out your security clearance forms? One. Weird. Me too. <laughs> Me too. That's so bananas. How many um, ru- meetings with Russians did you all have before you took the job? I had none. How many Rus- How many meetings with foreigners did you have that you didn't disclose? I had none. I had Me- none. Weird, but I right? Didn't That's crazy. I but- mean, you think about the kinds of things that we all consider to be like ex- exclusionary from working for the U.S. government, right? Back mm-hmm. in the day, if your dad wasn't president or your father-in-law wasn't president. And like I remember pouring over those forms. We had to fill them out by hand. It wasn't yes. online. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pouring over those forms yes. because how – every address you've lived at. But just like racking my brain. My, I had to give my French – my dad's French and all my siblings. So I spent so much time in France like racking my brain if like someone I went to college with was foreign and I didn't put it on just because I didn't want anyone to think. You're not being totally – Forthcoming. Totally- Guys, but, my mom filled out an SF-86 because she was a linguist. She was a contract mm-hmm. linguist for the FBI. This I poor woman that. who like came to the United States in 1970 and they're like asking her for her address in like oh, some yeah. village in southern. She's like, I don't think I had a street address. <laughs> yeah. And so then they're like <laughs> – she's like – I mean she's totally one of the, the Indians. I was like, I would never go back. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Dirty, dirty place, you know. Like so, she's like, you know, she's like so happy to be in America. She's like, I am here. We came here. I like my comfort. Um, but you know, and then she got grilled for like every contact. Like, who did you know in India? And she's like, what? <laughs> you know, and got polygraphed on did it. Did she get polygraphed? Oh my god! Your mom had to get a poly. My, my mom had a polygraph. Here's the thing, though, that people I really want to just you like get a poly, right? Uh, so. I got a polygraph for a job that I didn't actually end up taking. Okay. That was more on the operational side. Okay. And then – so yes, I did pass a counterintelligence polygraph. But can I just like flag – Yes. Here's the thing. Why lie? Simple question, because right? Because you think you're going to get away with it. Right. But if you have nothing I to mean, hide. You lie because you know, you know that what you are concealing – Raises a lot of questions that you, you don't, don't want to answer. Scrutiny. There is no other. Yes, dude. Some people like forget some random person they met. Sure, sure. but to to quote unquote forget twice. It, it was that was not twice. air quotes. That was it was that no, was, was legit. Real. No, that, that was, was like there's no ambiguity here. How many times did it take for he third it's time than, the charm? I think four it was more times. than it was like four times. It was more than that because and lying is illegal, which is the the house is actually making the case. Lying on those forms is illegal. So if you're like. I don't know any Russians. Well, Magda here says you yeah. do. We have a photograph that proves otherwise. And here is, so here is a real you, – you guys asked if my SF-86, like how many times to revise it. I did not revise it, but I got called out by the FBI because I forgot to list a traffic ticket that I got. Are you serious? Yes, when I was 19. So uh, like I, I don't know. Like I mean I just didn't put it down. Something happened. I don't – like – 
because I filled it out and then it was like several years later that I actually got – Yeah. So. Anyway, the point is they were like, why didn't you disclose this traffic ticket? And I'm like – I forgot. I forgot. I don't know. Or like maybe at the time that I filled it out, like it had yeah. happened. Like I mean I don't know. Why. There was some timing issue but they grilled me and they were right. like, why did you not want right. us to know? You know, this is, a, this is a candor issue. This is a character issue. I mean I think that they were like That's trying to get me to big. cough up anything else that I did not le- – like but I was like – Dude, like, why would I think that you wouldn't find out the traffic ticket? Like, I'm really sorry. Like, I was going 30 and a 25. Well, it's and, funny, you know. though. You can forget a traffic ticket. I don't think you forget meeting with Russians. But my point is that they considered the forgetting of the traffic ticket to so. be potentially indicative of me trying to conceal something or um, indicative of maybe I've concealed something. You know, the, the extent That's to which they grilled it and were – it gave them pause, which I'm sure was also part of their FBI technique to, to scare yeah. me. Um, Did it scare you? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I thought I was. Yeah, like, I, I thought I had my, screwed up during my poly. They did something like that. Yeah, I thought yeah. I had screwed up, and I'm like, did like, they leave the room and yeah. then come back? And oh yeah, like, yeah. They teach us to do. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did and I was like, like, I didn't lie, I swear. When they left the room, did you look out the – there's like – did you have a window the that one was the, way. the one-way glass? Did you all I look at it? I think I had that one. Like after they hook you up, uh, they leave? They leave. Yeah. And did you cry at all? I did. What? I cried when I left. I cried during. I cried when – you cried during? Oh, my God. I cried. Oh, but you guys had full scope polys, right? Yeah. Yeah, I had just CI. I had – I no, I legitimately – I didn't have full scope. I think I you had, had CI. You had, you had to have full – isn't full scope – it's everything and CI, right? Yeah, I, I just had, did CI. Because I had questions about had I ever stolen anything. I mean, yeah, I have every, stolen every like that. Have you any that's false. forged anything? Yeah. Like, have you been directed to come here? Drugs? That's false. Have, have, you, have you ever lied to anybody? It, but that's the I, difference between. I told my mom once that I was yeah. spending the night at my friend's house. Literally, I, I caught to everything. I started yeah, I when did. I was like I when everything. I was eleven. I was. A, and then in seventh grade, it's like, can you just go? I'm How like, long nope. does that take for them to do a full scope poly? Mine took four hours. Yeah. Mine took – but I legitimately like lost it and cried and started confessing to everything I'd ever done. I did too. And That's like, what I did. That's what I think I was is, like, I have to go to People are like, polys are uh, – you know, they're uh, – they don't work and they're unreliable. And it's like the, the point – they are a confession tool. Yes. They tap into – so what they do is, as you go, as you ladies know, but I'm for the people who are listening, the way it works is they sit down first and they say, here are all the questions I'm going to ask you. Yep. And you're going to tell me what you're going to answer. And so we – there's no surprises here that once we start the poly, you know what I'm going to ask. I know what you're going to say. We're all on the same page. But what they do is this pre-interview, they ask you questions in the broadest possible okay. way. Have you ever stolen anything? And what happens is it's like don't think about the pink elephant. Like the yeah. then you like your mental Rolodex starts going and you start remembering the time when you were seven and you took you your friend's frozen yogurt special, or whatever it is. And so then you start barfing it out and then they will narrow the question down. They say, well, what if I say have you ever stolen anything as an adult? Then your mental Rolodex starts mm-hmm. going. You're like, I took home printer paper from the office. Then they say, have you ever stolen anything of value? So they keep narrowing the question until you feel that you can answer it truthfully. But really what they're doing is that whole process is getting you to elicit information to them. And I think people don't understand that. They but think that it's just about they hook you up and they ask you a bunch of stuff no. and decide if you're lying. It's that initial part where they are trying to – get you to give them information. It's funny because I just wrote a little piece about it, but I said it was 
that exact same thing happened. They said, have you stolen anything? And I started confessing to stealing frozen yogurt from Sweet Delight, this place I worked at, to bring home to my dad. And he's like, have you ever stolen anything of big substance? I'm like, I worked there for three years. I don't know. (laughs) Grand theft, $10,000 worth. Again, three years. You do the math. But it was – he kept narrowing it down. I don't know. So then I said, I'm sure it was. He said, I'm going to just – be really confident that you didn't steal $10,000 worth of frozen yogurt. yogurt. And I said, my dad really liked it. So we he was could a big eater. He was a big eater. He could have liked it. And I passed. But it was. It was that whole, let's narrow it down. Let's narrow Did it down. Did they ask you, on a scale of 1 to 10, how honest do you would you say you are? I don't remember. No, I never got asked that. They asked me that. And I said, I'd say I'm a 9. Okay. And um, Ron Barndollar, the agent who... That's me. the best name of I any know. human ever. He actually passed away recently. Aww. Yeah. Um, you know, he looked at me and he kind of nodded and he said, you would be shocked at what people say in answer wow. to that. And I'm like, really? But yeah, are they I guess people are like, people I'm a three. And I'm like, why would you, you do ever that? You're going to the FBI. In the CIA, that would, a three would, they would hire you because they yeah, want you my, to be that. But that's my question. Like, are they looking for people who are honest or looking for people that can pretend to appear honest? It depends who you're honest with, right? Like, you should be honest with your own government, but you know. But if you work at the CIA, you should be. It's you shouldn't be honest. It's two friends, and I'm going to protect their names because I love the story. So I'm going to say it again. So the first guy went in. It was years and years ago, and they hooked him up to the polygraph, and they said to him, "Let's just call him Rob." Rob. And they said, "Rob, uh, when was the last time you did drugs?" And Rob's all hooked up. He turns to his watch and goes, <laughs> "Oh no, what time is it?" That's awesome. And they said, Rob, do you realize you can't have done drugs within the last year? And he said, I'll see you in a year. No way. He had a very, and I hate saying a specific set of skills that the agency wanted. Mm-hmm. So he waited a year and came back. Now my other friend, let's call him Brian. Now I'm so interested in what his skills were. Um, well, wine and fries. Um, so <laughs> my other friend, Brian, older, this happened a different time. He said, look, I know what you're going to ask me. I know. So he reached in his back pocket, took out an index card, slapped it in front of the polygrapher and said, these are all the drugs I've done. The polygrapher was a little shocked and goes, OK, what about the ones that have stars by them? He goes, those are all the ones I made in my bathtub back in the day. Oh, my God. <laughs> so did he get his clearance? Absolutely. He was incredibly <laughs> forthcoming. But he said – the polygrapher said, so how do you say this? Is it peyote? Pe- oh, my peyote? God. Peyote <laughs> stars? Now, is there are different kinds of – like peyote circles, you know, peyote octane goes, you can just go with peyote stars. We're good to go. Wow. So I does, didn't even know you could make drugs in your bathroom. This, do, do CIA polygraphs, they're administered by CIA polygraphers? I believe so, yes. Yes, they are. Okay. I was like, yes, yes, they absolutely are. Because yeah. the FBI agents were down on the drugs. I mean, they knew yeah. all the drugs and quantities it, and whatever. But I love that. Can you imagine being the polygrapher and somebody whips out an index card and says, these are all the things I made in my bathtub? I don't know if I'd be shocked or impressed. Be impressed, right? Be like, are you single? (laughs) I'm sure the CIA was psyched. Oh, I I think he was. It's a skill set. It's a skill set. set. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that guy on J date? He makes his own drugs in his bathtub. (laughs) Likes and dislikes. I think I'm I'm creative. (laughs) I'm like a chef. Yes, but different. (laughs) (laughs) Now wait for you when everything happened. I'm gonna segue from this 
topic. Um, when you started watching the news and Trump came in, was there a moment where you both went, like, I can't take this? Like, was there – what was the red line for both of you? I know there's so many and I feel like we – there's always a low where you need a headlight and like spelunking gear to get to the low because it's always so low. But do you remember a specific moment? Because I remember – It was like 9.32 p.m. Florida oh. returns coming in. Okay. I, I mean, it was like, I, I, like, I feel like that was probably close to the accurate time. I mean, it was just like this that moment when, um, you know, your just heart drops into your stomach and you start feeling sick. And I was having a party. Ugh. I, was, I had a party for all my mom friends. Um, you know, I was at the Javits Center for Hillary's not party. Yeah, and oh my god, and they started. Yeah, yeah they started. We, started we knew around nine thirty, right? Would you say nine thirty? I mean, when the Florida returns started coming in. How did the mood in the job? I mean, it might have must have oh been. God. It was. I mean, it was like everyone just knew. I mean, there was no way. It was awful. But did you stay to the end, or did you no. leave early? But I mean, when that, did you leave? Super early. Like I think I left at like nine fifteen, and it, the, there were reporters staked out who started like writing that Hillary supporters were leaving AK because Trump, Trump had won. Like they wanted to start. Start that, but it was awful. I mean, during his presidency, like, what was the initial like? Yeah, I was wondering if there was a moment because for me, everything was horrible. And then when he gave a speech in front of the CIA wall, yeah, I lost it, and I just it oh, was. I remember that it it, it was. But that was it, after his inauguration. It was after his inauguration, yeah. and I mean, there was so much during up to that it was you know repugnant, and I couldn't take it anymore. But that was the moment I just remember. Like just physically freaking out and just going, this is I, – I couldn't I couldn't watch. I was so irate. I couldn't see straight. And I remember just like tweeting stuff and like smoke coming out of my fingers as I was tweeting. And I just – I didn't know where to put the rage. Yeah. But it was – Yeah. I think for me like the, the election night, there was the shock. A lot of drinking alcohol, screaming at my kids to go to bed even though I would promised them that they could stay out. <laughs> go to bed. There's nothing to see, you know. As you're um, drinking wine out yeah, of a no, paper talk, bag. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so uh, – and then, you know, weeping as I'm making them breakfast the next morning. So, that, you know, uh, that's their memory of the election. Um, but the time when I kind of – it sunk in was the Saturday after the travel ban had been passed Ugh. and reading that New York Times article about what was happening to people in airports and I I lost it. Like I broke down. Like I was – it was just – horrifying to me the reality that was manifesting mm-hmm. of what we had feared, you know? Because that's um, the thing. It's not just what he says. It's that he obviously can take actions and thank goodness, at least up until a point, the courts blocked the implementation mm-hmm. of the travel ban. But it's not just what he says. He he can misallocate resources. He can abuse or use the law. I mean, part of it for me, Charlottesville was a really difficult oh, moment uh, for me. Yeah. Um, my My dad's a Holocaust survivor and Obviously, what happened in Charlottesville wasn't just anti-Semitic. It was white nationalists and all the mm-hmm. horrible things that that means. But when he went and said that there are good people on both sides, particularly after a young woman had been killed. Heather Heyer. I f- felt sick. Um, and it, it frankly hasn't gotten any better since then. And whenever I hear him use language that either knowingly incites violence against my friends – I mean, people, whether it be on CNN or people that I worked with in government, call the media the enemy, of the enemy of the people, or do things that so obviously help our enemies. I I still have that that like, what are you doing? And kind of physical reaction because it just doesn't make sense to me. What's mm-hmm. it like talking to your dad now during this 
during these Trump years. Like he – I can't imagine what it – because I would – for me, it's shocking to see anti-Semitism like this. I had experienced it before, but I've never seen it like this. To yeah, and this. hate crimes are way up cri- in the country, yeah. I've never seen you – you didn't – we didn't see synagogue shootings and none of this. And so I was just curious – I if think, you've had conversations um, with him. Yeah, and I think that um, part of what we've been talking a lot about and what I've been trying to talk a lot about is that, like, fighting this kind of language is not because it's directed at Jews maybe this time, but because there are minority groups that are being targeted. Um, there are statements being made about certain kinds of people being subhuman, being like insects, being like rats. And he has pointed out that that's a kind of language and rhetoric that was used in propaganda then and that is kind of – it's really just dog whistles for white nationalism if not overt white nationalism. So that's been hard um, for him and for me as well just just seeing all of that. But as we – I mean Pittsburgh really brought this conversation to light. But hate crimes, the ADL um, did a study on this. I mean they're up so significantly and – It's huge. I don't don't see that getting better. Well, and he's also I think using – people use Ivanka and Jared as as like a – shield almost or his bat, you know, and it, it, he can't be anti-Semitic because of this, but that means well, nothing. Like, it's not, yeah, and like just final point, like it's not just anti-Semitic, like you can it's, be pro-Israel thank you. and have Jewish family, Jewish friends and still issue dog whistles for white nationalism. It's it's not like just because you're, you don't hate the Jews, that doesn't mean that you're not a racist and that you're not doing things that promote these kind of ideas, so... I think it's it, it's really difficult for all of us. Let's say – let's talk about something fun and optimistic. 2020. Me dating Idris Elba? OK. Oh, well, that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to get on the Twitters right Thank after you. this. Thank God. I have I – have, we're going to text. It will be cool. You. Although I do think he's engaged. So, the main, so do I. I don't want to break up a couple. I'm just okay. saying if he becomes single. OK. Well, then we'll have to focus your energy on – I didn't know that if he becomes single was a category. Well, that's – you all know what? Most of mine are in that category. If he becomes single, I wish no ill will on on. His I wonder fiance. if that means something like psychologically. I don't know. That could be. That deep. I self sabotage my dating life. Yes, yes. That you're picking people that are attached. Already. Listen, at 36, there just are fewer single men around, right? Okay. Like there's just there's just less inventory. <laughs> it's not like spring co- chicken. It's like Costco. There's just not a lot of inventory. There's not. There's just fewer single people. That's that's interesting. Now I kind of want you to go and jade it. I like. I have, good. A, I have a friend who did Tinder, and I was so excited because I would. He let me Tinder his dates for him, and it was just. It was really fun. Um, twenty twenty. Who are your picks? Who would you like to see? Asha, if you could do a dream team. If I could do a dream. If team. your like ideal dream team that you'd like to see for twenty twenty. I don't know. I feel like I. I'm. I don't. I'm not in the mainstream of popular opinion. Like I. That's why I like you. I know. I like I, – I don't know more than what I've seen from his Senate race and some of his speeches, but I really like Beto O'Rourke. And I mean I – you know, and I know that all the political people will be like, oh, there's no chance, blah, 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 and they'll give me all the stats on, you know, why. But like if you just want to know like who I like, yeah, I like him. Like he's, he's young. He's charismatic. I think that he has a strong – unifying vision and message and it's not extreme as far as I can tell. Um, I am really worried and I I feel like I need to see how it plays out about the left uh, 
making the same mistake as the right and getting way too extreme. And so I am more interested in someone who is able to reorient this country back to the political center of people who have been – I mean I think the true left behind people are like the people in the political center who have yeah. been drowned out by crazies on either side. There's a lot of crazies. Um, and, and that's what I would like to see. Is there anybody else that you like? I like Kamala Harris like a lot. Um, and I, I'll, you know, what I especially like about her is that she's coming with um, strong government experience um, as a former attorney general, as a senator. Um, I am partial to lawyers. I like, uh, you know, and I, I like lawyers because as someone who is an associate, you know, went to a law school and who is also an associate dean at a law school. Um, I really feel like law schools socialize people to uh, understand that principles matter, yeah, and the things like the rule of law, and that you know somebody having a day in court is actually more you know is is a value to uphold whether or not you believe they're guilty or not, and and things like that. Um, and I think that those are concepts that need to be uh, reinforced um, when all this is over. I'll ask a very unpopular question. Do you think that now with our political climate and seeing the kind of misogyny and sexism that we're seeing, do you think a woman really does have a chance? <clears throat> or do you think that we're so ass backwards here that really they don't really have the, a strong of a chance? I think they have a chance. You do? Yeah, I do. I mean, and I was on the fence about that. There was a way in which I was so discouraged at one point that I'm like, I almost feel like we need to reset yeah. to this to the default that we've had for you know two hundred fifty years and um, <laughs> of interchangeable <laughs> white men, yeah. And then once we kind of get back to that, we can move forward. But I, you know, I think it's too unpredictable. Um, you know, a couple of years before Obama ran for president, I don't think we would have imagined that that was the moment for our first black president. And you know, I think we just have to see how it unfolds. And I think it just has to be the right person. I hope. So. I hope you're right. I I am not as optimistic. I, I oh really I. I and I'm curious what you think too, Sam. I am. I wish I was more optimistic. I feel. I think events like Charlottesville and seeing this rise and seeing even personally the kind of messages that I see all of us get even on Twitter that are so disgustingly sexist or anti-Semitic for me, whatever it is. I just think he's unleashed something that's so vile and such. It, it's like. I would say it's the horrible analogy, but in like Ghostbusters, when all like the demons come out, that's kind of how I feel, and I feel like he's unleashed it all. And I don't know if you can put a cap back on it, and we can squash it back down. I feel like it's out, so I don't know if people feel like you know they would be willing to vote for it, or they're going to be so scared they'll want to vote sort of the common denominator. They if want that's the safe the, person. If that's what's going to you know beat Trump, because now we're so scared of having him for another four years. What do you think, Sam? Well, bring it home, Sam. Bring it home. No pressure. I'm a senior you advisor. Just listening. I'm a senior advisor at the Biden Institute. Okay. So, having worked with Vice President Biden at the White House and working with him now, I'm deeply hopeful that he'll announce a run for president. I like Biden. I like Biden a lot. Uh, I, I think like Biden that a lot. He has devoted his career to helping make this country better for all Americans. So I'm hopeful that he'll run. In terms of whether a woman could win, I think what the last election showed us is we don't know who can win. Yeah. I mean, if you had said in 2015 that Donald Trump was going to beat out all the other Republican nominees and beat Hillary Clinton with or without Russian help. Yeah, I was going to say. You probably would have been left out of the room to an extent, right? So 
I think what we learned from the last election is we just don't know. Okay. I, I, I think Kamala Harris is quite impressive. I have to do more work on her policies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I need but, to you know, understand I, where she's – And I think what I'm voting on has evolved. <laughs> uh, this this president has really made me think very hard about the uh, – how the per, – like the personality of the president can literally usurp the policymaking process and both under – I worked under two presidents, Bush and Obama. They both use their National Security Council very differently but there was a policy process. And what's become clear now is that this – the process is, you know, President Trump, the mirror on the wall and Sean Hannity. There's, there's not – that He's an process. outlier, though. I mean, I honestly right. But the point is, and you and I have talked about oh. this. Like that's a precedent, right? So oh, we have to. So we have to wrap up, uh, and I will leave you all with the mirror with the image of President Trump talking to his own reflection in the mirror on the wall. There's but, nothing hotter than that. So yeah. it reminds yeah. me of so, Snow White. You're welcome. Um, and I want to thank you both, and I just want to remind everybody: you can go visit DeepStateRadioNetwork.com and support all of our lovely work and you can become a member. You get all sorts of cool things if you become a member and you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook and of course you know that you can follow Asha and Sam on Twitter as well as myself and Sam, you're on Instagram as well, correct? I yes, am. You are. Samantha Vinegrad. And I am also on Instagram as well and you see all sorts of fun stuff that we post. And I just want to thank you both. It's so it's so exciting because I know that we tweet at each other all the time. So it's so nice to be with you both in and person. And you realize that you're a real person. I know. I didn't think you were real. <laughs> I was like, Sam's not really real. I knew Ash was real and I didn't think Sam was real. So it's exciting. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Deep State Radio is a production of the Deep State Radio Network, a division of TRG Interactive Media. Our podcast today was produced in cooperation with Goat Rodeo Productions and was supervised by Ian Enright. Join us again for another episode of Deep State Radio. If you don't, we know where to find you.